0: And iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave.
1: Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your host, Pastor Brad Matthias, and my sidekick, Robert Beeson. Sidekick, I mean. Come on, come on, we're, not, we come on. We we're like 14 that. into it now, this is like our 15th episode.
2: I, you would think that you would change the sidekick thing, because every single week I say sidekick, really? That's sidekick? That's why
1: I do it. It works, you know, it works. Okay. It gets you every time. So I'm going to keep doing it until it doesn't bother you, then I'll have to switch tactics. Okay, doesn't bother me. All right, okay, we'll see. All right, well, for those of you who've been regularly tuning in to Brilliantly Brave, you know we have a diverse group of experts, if you will. Uh, Some parents, some authors, some are heads of ministries. And uh, as a result, you get a diverse view of parenting and the challenges of parenting, issues that are happening in today's society, uh, the culture war that we all live with and are engaged with. Uh, As Christians, it's always a challenge to uh, really push back against uh, the cultural norms that are sort of stealing the Christian heritage of our faith right out from underneath our noses. And so uh, as a podcast, our hope is to identify uh, great places for you to go for new ideas and new resources to support you in that journey of parenthood where you are trying to equip your kids with, with faith, but also to help churches to find the right resources that they might need Uh, to effectively reach the preteen and tween years, uh, which is an unusual challenge. I know, Robert, you and I have raised nine kids or are in the process of raising nine kids. Yeah,
2: yeah. Would you say the tween years are the hardest? Well, the the tween years are the ones that are the least uh, uh, resourced, less resourced or whatever. There's not as much out there to help parents through those years. And it's a... as we've discussed many, many times within iShine and TGA, it is the, in my view, the most critical time for us to really engage our kids. And that's why I'm so excited about this interview because there's someone that that shares the same passion for reaching this age group. So yeah, the tween years are a very a very challenging, but but can be a very, uh, well, they are a very critical period of time in a kid's life.
1: Yeah, and I, I think for most parents, the journey is uh, sort of a, ignorant bliss until they hit the kids hit like 11, <laughs> yeah. 10 11 and then suddenly there's a problem and and they're suddenly scrambling to find resources or books or someone who can tell them that's right what to do right and so uh, we want to try and be preemptive for our parents and so today's guest is is a man who has been active and really at the forefront of reaching this age group for over a decade. His name is Sean Sweet. He's a pastor. He's from California, and he's joining us today. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave, Sean.
2: Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great. It's great to have you here.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about what you guys are doing, Brilliantly Brave. <laughs> yeah, we're that's we're a, all
1: we're all laughing because none of us feel brilliant or brave,
3: right? Well, I, I was going to say that's a, that's a good title for a, a parenting podcast I'm, I have three kids of my own and uh, brilliant and brave are two things that I would I would love to have more of so <laughs> thanks for doing this
1: uh, it's our pleasure we you know we're doing this as an extension of the tween Gospel Alliance which is uh, an affiliation of, of different Christian ministries that have noticed there's a need to focus on this age group and and as I've studied your bio and, and looked through your history on your website uh, the ministry that you started 456, is been around since 2007, is that when it that's started? Right.
3: Yeah, that's right, and it started as a, a, just a group of people who across the nation, uh, across the United States, were, were seeing the need for intentional preteen ministry and realizing that um, you know, something need, needed to be done uh, to raise the, the value of ministry to preteens within churches.
0: Hmm.
2: That's great, that's uh, such an awesome calling.
3: Yeah, and I, I, it's with some humility that we approach this because
1: Robert and I have been involved with the TGA since uh, 2012, 13, yeah. something like that. Uh, And so you guys were almost a decade ahead of us in in forming an affiliation of ministries and and leaders to address the issue. And yet we didn't know about each other (laughs) until uh, just recently. So it tells you how separate some of the the different movements of of churches are in in that they don't overlap. And so uh, once I heard about you and read what you'd done and and began to recognize how many people we knew mutually, uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to have him on this podcast, because not only is he ahead of us, uh, but he has been uh, sort of a champion of this before anyone talked about it.
2: That's right. And tell us, um, Sean, what got you into that? I mean, what was the thing that, that drove you into, uh, for me, getting into tween ministry was becoming a single dad and raising tweens on my own. I realized how how little there was out there. What, what was it in your life that, like, just the light bulb went off and said, we've got to take this serious?
3: Yeah, so I, I actually uh, grew up in a home that we weren't uh, practicing Christianity. We, in fact, my dad was, uh, you know, an atheist and would say things like, Christians are weak and they just need a crutch, those kind of things. So, yeah. of course, that's what I grew up thinking and I you know, got to high school, I was involved with the YMCA as a, uh, a camp counselor, and uh, I can remember this one time, a uh, it was, he was a preteen, and he came to camp, and I was his leader, I was like the high school leader for him, and he was a strong Christian, so he tried to uh, talk to me about Christ, and by the end of the week I think I had said some things to kind of shake his faith. Um, and you know, just kind of spoke against what he was telling me and tried to use logic and reason, reasoning. But I left realizing that I didn't know a whole lot about what uh, Christianity was all about. Uh, So my mom had started attending church because my brother had started attending church because his girlfriend was attending church. (laughs) And so they actually started attending uh, Sunset Christian Center in uh, Rockland, California, and when I graduated from high school, my mom gave me a Bible. And I was like, okay, thanks. Huh. But I took it, and when I uh, moved away and went to college, I realized, you know, I, I should probably know what the Christians think so that I can make better fun of them and so that I can poke holes in there, you know, be a better arguer against Christianity. So I started reading the Bible from that perspective and with that goal in mind of, you know, trying to find all the holes and flaws and all that. And as I was reading, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, convicted me, and mm-hmm. I became a Christian just by reading the Bible. Wow. So uh, I started attending Sunset, which later changed its name to Destiny. And I was going to school to become a preteen—I'm sorry, to become a school teacher. Um And so I was involved, you know, I was going to a Sac State University— um, got my teaching credentials and was going through the, um, the student teaching program. And they have you do a younger grade and an older grade. And I was really drawn towards the older grades, fourth, fifth grade, uh, somewhere in there. And I ended up getting a job as a school teacher. So I taught in the public schools for seven years. And during that time, I was uh, going to church. I had accepted Christ. I actually went to a Billy Graham crusade and accepted Christ. Mm-hmm. Um and my dad actually started attending church, and he received Christ at something like age 65 or, or 70. Um, and so our church, our family was going to church. I started getting involved with the ministries here. And when the children's pastor, uh, he left to, he was actually, he became Bible man, Robert T. Schlipp. Um, and so he went off and was running around in spandex. And they, they, <laughs> That's and a small to, world, to, man. Like That's kids. awesome. I'd been his right-hand man, I'd become, like, super involved with the children's ministry. So the um, senior pastor invited me out to coffee, and I was like, what? This doesn't happen. Uh, And so I I went with him, and he uh, presented to me the opportunity to come on staff as the children's pastor. And uh, I was a school teacher at the time. I had tenure, and I could think of, you know, at least three reasons why that was a bad idea. June, July, and August— uh, there, there's three reasons <laughs> right, why exactly. I didn't want to leave what I was doing. And, uh, you know, so I said, oh, th- thanks. I'll think about it. And I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to say no tomorrow. But that whole next day, the Lord really got a hold of me and um, I was called into ministry. And so, uh, you know, took the, the Berean classes uh, as I started this position as the children's pastor and I was overseeing birth through fifth grade, but having been a school teacher for fourth and fifth graders for seven years. Um, I I was like, why are these kids all together? Why do we have the first graders and the fifth graders together in this big gym? Um, which, you know, I, I had just kind of gone along with it before when I was helping, but becoming the leader of the ministry, I realized this, it's like having people that speak two different languages in the same service and you're trying to minister to them both. Hmm. Um, and so right away, I was like, you know what, we, let's split up the fourth and fifth graders from the, from the younger uh, kids. And so we did. We did that. And I would always tend to be in the fourth and fifth grade room and get um, people to volunteer to lead the other room. Uh, so I went to the senior pastor, and I said, you know, I, I think I'd really like to just focus on this age group. And I'm wondering if we can make it a separate ministry from our church. And, uh, he said, no. <laughs> hmm. um, and he said, no. And he said, that's not something that I could ever see us doing, really, um, unless we grew like to be huge. And so I said, okay. And uh, Superstart came to town. Superstart is that weekend conference for preteens. For yeah. teens. Uh, they came to town about a year later. Uh, I, I had an assistant who came on that year and she was really passionate about children's ministry and younger kids. So but the combination of having this assistant who was really passionate about it and having superstar come to town, which really helped to legitimize ministry to preteens, um, the, these were the two catalysts that changed uh, the senior pastor's mind. Hmm. So uh, I call it my self-induced demotion. I went from overseeing birth through fifth to just overseeing fourth and fifth. And it's now a separate ministry at our church, separate from the children's ministries. So that's kind of uh, how I ended up being the preteen pastor. And at that time, uh, I was really into going to conferences, children's pastors conferences. is learning as much as I could. But now, I was the preteen pastor. So I wanted to find a preteen ministry conference, and I couldn't find any. So the junior high pastor at the time said, why don't you start your own? <laughs> so I did. <laughs> And that was uh, 2007, and that's when Four Five Six really got its start. People came from around the country. We had 125 people from the United States and Canada at that first uh, conference, and um, yeah. And out of that, there were nine of us that got together and had a retreat afterward, and came and started and organized Four Five Six. So yeah, so that's that's how Four Five Six was born and it was volunteer run until just two years ago when our church said, why don't we take this on as a ministry of our church? We'll hire some help for for Sean in the preteen ministry and that can be his part-time, part part of what he does. Uh, So now I'm overseeing the preteen ministry here part-time and then uh, running 456 part-time. So you are
1: completely immersed in the world of preteen ministry. Uh, absolutely yes so for our listeners four five six would be the fourth fifth and sixth grades of school correct
3: that's right yeah so nine to 12 year old basically um and when you say totally immersed i i am even more so now than ever because i have a two preteen daughters (laughs) i've got a fourth grade daughter and a sixth grade daughter uh nine and 12 and uh yeah i mean you know that the difference between nine and 12 is incredible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh,
1: Robert has three daughters. I have two. Okay. So
2: we're fairly acquainted with that, the, the, the dynamics and, uh, and the, the challenges. And you know, it's a great, great period of life too. It's just, uh, everything changes.
3: Uh, Uh, Yeah. There's that, um, that research paper put out by the American middle school association that says that between 10 and 15, Kids change more than any other time of their life, except the first two years of life, huh. and that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like, they are change changes the name of the game for preteens. They are changing in incredible ways.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We've uh, become students of some of the research from Orange, from the Barna Group, um, from Kinneman and and uh, other leaders who studied this these transitions in society. And it's becoming more and more apparent uh, to the general population and, and to parents that the age of awareness or sort of the age of accountability is sliding earlier and earlier in part because of the digital revolution. Our kids are mm-hmm. being exposed to ideas and images and thoughts uh, much earlier because of the accessibility to, to that media. Have you experienced that in in your ministry? Have you noticed a change over the last uh, few years?
3: I would say uh, yes um, and no, uh, and and here's here's what I mean. I think uh, there is definitely, unarguably, more exposure to um, you know to all sorts of information and images, and um, and so I, in that way, yes, preteens are different now than they were a decade or two decades ago when I was a school teacher. But in lots of ways, just the way God's wired us up to, you know, human development-wise, the same processes are still taking place. Um, It's just, it's a different navigation. It's a different ocean, but the same boat. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I'd say, yes, you know, in this ocean that we have now, more waves are getting in and You know, and the the boat's got to be stronger, quicker, and there are definitely more risks and those kind of things. But, uh, you know, at the core, preteens, it's funny how often, I don't know why, I think this is something God has has given me um, a gift with, is that I can remember being a preteen. And I can remember watching Nickelodeon and the people getting slimed, and (laughs) I can totally remember those years. Hmm. And... Some of the same experiences that preteens are going through now are what I experienced. They're just in a different, and you know, it's a different culture now. It's a different, uh, different reality. But the same processes are are taking place in their minds and hearts and bodies and spirits.
2: That's a great analogy. The boat in the ocean.
1: Yeah, I just wrote it down. Uh, it's a great, a great analogy, and I, I think accurate as well. So, Sean, you've uh, helped to develop uh, curriculums. You've helped work with uh, local and regional, even national pastors in, in starting preteen ministries in their own churches. What advice would you give a parent today who's listening who might have a fourth, fifth, or sixth grader, maybe several in their home? How could they take a, a proactive role in, in this process of discipleship?
3: Okay, so we have something at 456 that um, we developed at, it was either the first or second retreat that we had. Um, and we got together, and, and this is really kind of the crux of everything that we do, and it's called uh, the bike. So if you go to 456.org, uh, the very first tab at the top says the bike. And that's kind of what I think is the basis for, for everything that we try to do in preteen ministry and everything for parents that we try to equip them with at our church. Um, the bike metaphor is, is pretty simple. Uh, when you're teaching somebody to ride a bike, <clears throat> there comes a point where uh, they are ready and they uh, and they may know it, they probably know it, but there comes a point where you have to let go of the bike and let them own it for themselves. Um, and so, you know, you're showing them the bike and you're you're teaching them all about the bike and, and here we're talking about faith, right? Hmm. And uh, you're, you're showing them what it's like and giving them stories of when you rode the bike and... Uh, you're sitting them on it, and but you're holding on tight to the back of that seat and to the handlebars, and uh, you're running them up and down the street, but you're holding on tight. And that's children's ministries. Children's ministry, we really want the pre-teen, or the kids to know about God, and so we tell them stories about God and help them to know about God. But when, they, when kids enter the preteen years, they're ready to move, start to move, the very first steps, into faith ownership. They're ready to start to take their first steps. From knowing about God to knowing God, mm. uh, you know. And I think about Samuel. Uh, it's so interesting because he grew up in the temple, right, under Eli's care, and yet it says at the beginning of that chapter where God's speaking to Samuel, it says he didn't yet know the Lord. Now, how's that possible? How did he not know the Lord? He grew up in the temple, um, but there's a difference between knowing about and knowing, and that's the the very first steps. That pre, that in life, <laughs> our very first steps of faith ownership can take place when we're preteens. Be, just because of developmental stuff in the brain, um, we are now, you know, when people reach those preteen years, they are ready to start to take their first steps of faith ownership. So the bike analogy then is when you're teaching somebody to ride a bike, you let go of the bike, but you're still running alongside them because there's the wobbliness, Right. And this is preteen ministry. Preteen ministry and preteen parenting, as I've been discovering, it's similar, <laughs> is that we are letting go, but we're running alongside.
2: Mm.
3: And this is the same, uh, you know, with homework, with, uh, you know, can can I go down the street to a friend's house? Okay, I'm going to let go here, but I'm going to run alongside and make sure that you make it there. Um, and just taking those steps, uh, you know, I think... The big mistake that we make in church a lot is that we move them from a children's ministry to a youth ministry. They're just gone straight from we're running up and down the street holding on to the bike to now okay you're on your own go have fun, and there's not that in between step of helping them to learn how to do that, um, and that's preteen ministry is helping them to learn how to own their own faith. Um, so that's that's kind of been our model, and and so all the resources on four five six are to that end to help raise the value of preteen ministry and to help people to let go and run alongside.
2: I love that.
1: I love that. But I, I can remember uh, the panic, uh, you know, that I felt when my kid was a preteen. I mean, yeah. uh-huh. minor in college or, or, you know, married now, but I, I remember the panic, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like for real as a go. dad, you know, like, you know, she just went to someone's house, um, and I know, and I and and I know that there's supposed to be other people there, and you know, I'm having this sort of meltdown in my mind, and I'm looking at my wife, going, "Then you checked on this, right? Did, did you, you talk to her? the parents? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like this is okay, right? Like we're not being, you know, we're not being bad parents, and uh, right. I, know, I, I mean, so spiritually, I didn't hand wring as much because I I had this sort of delusion that the pastor, you,
3: Sean,
1: <laughs> would take care of my kid. You know, like, that was your job. My job was just to keep them sort of, you know, Going safe. to church to see the yeah. pastor. So, like, as long right. as I got my car parked every week, you know, in the church parking lot and dropped the kid off, that you would create this beautiful Christian clone and send them back to me. Is that not how mm. it works?
2: <laughs>
3: no, I'm sorry. No, it's – <laughs> that's, that's, no, I mean – Man, that, that process, what takes place in a, in a ministry that is intentional about helping preteens take those first steps, there's a lot of questions being asked uh, and questions, you know, being heard. And I think parents can do the same thing as with their preteen is, is ask lots of questions. In fact, um, if you check out the bike tab on 456, there's Um, There's a thing there that says how to, and it gives you like five different tools that you can use, Uh, and they work in ministry, but they would also work for parents, five different tools uh, to help to let go of the bike. And there's a lot more than just five, but these are five that we um, have developed and used consistently in our preteen ministry. And so it's uh, asking questions, um, making room for doubt Mm. uh, is one of them. Love that. Love that. Um, Because... People think doubt is the opposite of faith, and okay, uh, I get that. But if there's no room for doubt, there's no room for faith. Like the places where you have room for doubt, that's where that's the only place that you have room for faith. Because faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident of what we do not see. So if we don't see it, then you're you're you, then you know of course there's room for doubt. Mm. So you have to allow for that and allow questions from your preteens that demonstrate doubt and. That doubt is okay, and you know, kind of walking them through that. And how do you navigate doubt as an adult? You know, your preteens are just now experiencing this for themselves. Uh, it used to be when they were younger, whatever mom and dad say or whatever the pastor says, I just accept that. I just okay. You know, you see things in black and white. Um, but as they move into the preteen years, that's when the shades of gray can come out, and where they can start to explore possibilities and test hypothesis uh, they didn't have those abilities in their brains before and they've got these new skills and so y- acknowledging that and making room for that that's that's another space yeah. um, also giving power giving control um, those so th- there's there's a bunch of different ideas on there uh, for ministry leaders and for parents giving choices um, but it's <laughs> it's not the kind of choices like okay do you want do you want me to pack your lunch or do you want to sit on a timeout <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> you know, right, do you want yeah. do you want to do what I'm telling you to do, or or do you want a consequence? That's ultimatum. not a choice. That's, that's an yeah, ultimatum. Right? I,
1: I really like that you're pointing out that nuance. Um, it is a it has been our experience as well that this this process of becoming, uh, of transitioning from child to young adult, is essential, and it it appears that many parents are so afraid of the questions um, and the doubts that they, they over respond or they overreact, often driven by fear. And uh, I, I love the idea of a collaboration between uh, the preteen or youth pastor and the parent, uh, where there is a communication that is ongoing and there is a, an effort together with the, with the church, the local church working with families, to really engage these uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh graders uh, with their faith. And so the fact that you have taken the time with a team of like-minded people to really do some of the, the hard lifting on this, where you guys have built curriculums, you've built uh, a model, this bike model, that describes what's happening and can be easily shared with with other people. You've even got great videos on your website that people can download and watch, either as parents or as pastors. Uh, all of those resources are are on your site, and you guys serve uh, diligently for that. And and if no one has said it to you before, let me thank you for that. We are grateful for what you've done. Absolutely.
3: Thank you, thank you. I, you know, I, I'm just uh, trying to do what God's called me to do, and He, uh, He gave me a promise that if I would do what He called me to do, that it would bring Him great glory, hmm. and so that's uh, that's what I'm trying to do here. That's great. <laughs> Is uh, bring the Lord glory, which I know you guys are are doing too, and you know, I would I would re- repeat back to you what you've said to me. Thank you for for being a part of this uh, movement. It's really a movement um, of parents and ministry leaders and understanding the essential role that these years play in faith formation mm-hmm. um, and how we need to partner with our preteens and not be scared of them. Right, um, yeah. You know, here's, here's just a quick tip too. When people are, when, when preteens ask questions, they aren't necessarily looking for your answer. Um, they probably already have an answer, and <laughs> they just want to know if you agree with their answer. And that's so a great oft-
2: distinction. That's really, really good.
3: <laughs> and so oftentimes when they ask a question, I'll just say, what do you think? And then let them share their answer, and then I'll say, that's a great answer. That's so much more powerful and, and empowering for them than giving them answers. That's a great tip. Um, I'm going to
2: use that. That's really good.
3: Yeah. So for parents
1: out there who are listening, I I think we could go uh, for over an hour uh, getting and sharing (laughs) these anecdotal uh, experiences. I want you to go to 456.org and find out for yourself just the depth and breadth Of resources that are available there, whether you're a parent, a pastor, maybe you're a volunteer who's wanting to start a preteen ministry in your local church. Sean is a fantastic place to start that sort of journey, and uh, I would highly recommend him. I know he has an online ministry conference each year for preteen ministers. Tell us real quick about that.
3: Oh, sure, yeah. um, We, uh, couple years ago, we we switched to an online format. I guess it was last year. We switched to an online format for our conference. um, And it's just like attending a conference. So there are main sessions, there are breakout sessions. Uh, In fact, you guys are doing some breakout sessions at that. Um, And it's, uh, you know, imagine you're at a a conference and you can even get your whole team together or a bunch of people from your church who, small group leaders or whatever, whoever works with the, with the preteens at your church. um, And for, you just pay for one access point, uh, and then you can attend the conference. And there's even like a hangout space where you can you click on it. So imagine on your screen you can see the map of the conference center, and you just click on wherever you want to go, whatever room you want to go into, wherever the breakouts and main sessions, and even the resource center. Um, so basically we've taken an online conference and just taken out all the walking. <laughs> I mean taking <laughs> a phys- Sorry. Taking a physical conference and taking out all the walking. Yeah, saved our feet. And, yeah, and airplane costs and hotel costs. That's right. And Absolutely. Food costs. And yeah. All that. So
1: well, I, I wanted to make sure our listeners heard about that and they you can find all this again at four five six dot org. That's that's the number spelled out. So it's F-O-U-R-F-I-V E S I X dot org. And, uh, Sean, we want to thank you again for being uh, on the Brilliantly Brave podcast. We are fans of you. Uh, We are grateful for all the work that you pioneered, at least in the last two decades, uh, for Christian ministry to tweens. And may God richly bless you for your efforts.
3: Thank you.
0: Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13 This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave.
1: What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out.